Cut that out. Cut that out. Like, <laughs> no, we were, leave it in. Like, leave it in. <laughs> you're a monster. Like, what is wrong with you? Welcome, everyone, to Where's My Stick? I'm Danielle. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Christy. And today we are going to touch on some random NHL news, and then we will get to the Penguins. Uh, Let's start off with Nashville Strong. So there was a tornado in Nashville that devastated like a large portion of the city. Um, The Nashville Predators were not there. They actually left um, like earlier that day before the tornado to go to Minnesota. So the team was just like watching on the news as like basically half their city was like torn apart, which is so sad. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's there's nothing really too much to say, but, like, like, prayers for everyone whose, like, houses and, like, lives and was just destroyed. Um, I saw this one thing where it was, like, Pecorine just went into, like, this, like, um, I don't know, kind of like a Home Depot and, like, bought all of the flashlights and batteries and, like, were giving them out to pay of the families who like needed them like their electricity was off and stuff so like the predators are doing something yeah they're trying to help out the city sad i know they were offering like lunches at the stadium stadium at like the arena for people to come and have like a nice nice place to to have a meal and yeah ah that's so that's so hard. That's, I mean, that's good that they're doing that, but that's, I just can't even imagine your whole life. Or not your yeah. whole life, like, but your, your home and stuff. Exactly. Um, oh, this is crazy. What, what also happened is um, the Islanders' Johnny Boychuk took a skate blade to the face um, in a game versus Montreal. I believe it was, like, Arturi Lechman, I think, skate that hit a caught him so, up high. Yeah. Um, it was so, like everywhere was tweeting that video of it. And I just, oh. it was so, it was so intense. Uh, I mean, you didn't see any blood or anything, but just the idea of someone's skate hitting you in the face, like that's terrifying. In the eye, that's Yeah. He ended up having over like 90 stitches to repair his eyelid. See, that's crazy because like your eyelid... That's your whole island, 90 stitches. Like, where are <laughs> stitches? Ugh. Um, and, like, what if the doctor messed up and, like, poked your eye? Oh, like, oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. It's gross. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, but he tweeted out earlier that he, like, he, not earlier today, but he tweeted out after that happened, like, maybe a day or so after, and was like, I'm all right. And then, like, made some type of joke, and everyone was like, oh, my God, Johnny Boychuk. And, I was still kind of skewed out by the video. What'd you say? I was like, I'm glad he can still see. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Um, Next in NHL news. uh, Oh, goodness. Uh, The St. Louis Blues kind of got a little pushback um, after not holding a hockey is for everyone night during their 41 home games. Instead, they opted to hold a hold the NHL celebration of diversity and inclusion while the team was away playing uh, in D.C. The team announced that it will hold its first ever Hockey is for Everyone celebration and watch party on March 24th when the when the Blues visit the Washington Capitals uh, and they became or they become the only team in the NHL this season to hold a diversity night on the road. Well, during a road game. Um, <laughs> it was later, like, found out in an article that, of course, which is, which Greg Wyshynski wrote, um, that the Blues were actually one of two teams that didn't have a Hockey is for Everyone night, um, or a Pride, uh, night in their home schedule. Uh, the other team is Buffalo, and they bumped their Hockey is for Everyone night in favor of celebrating theme nights for their 50th anniversary. 
Uh, after that article came out, a Sabres re- representative reached out to ESPN um, and told them that the team plans on having a hockey is for everyone night um, late in March. The team said that some theme nights aren't put on their official schedule and are announced only days before the event, which that sounds like a cover up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am so disappointed but you know what? I think I got over like my initial like shock. I'm just like, you know what? The, the organization is crappy. Cause how do you bump your hockey's for everyone night? I I just I don't see how you take that night off. I I really don't. Yes. Um. As for the Blues, I was looking into it a little bit, and I guess when they first started having Pride nights, um, their first one was in 2017, and apparently, it was um like amazing they had like drag queens they had um prominent members of the community to come um drop puck like the first game miss missouri um jake bain was there in 2018 to drop the puck and apparently according to um boom magazine which i guess is um a magazine written for and covering the lgbtq community in st louis um they just did it fantastically and then ever since then they've sort of been like taking steps back and obviously now we're at this point where they barely have anything that is so interesting i didn't know that Mm -hmm. yeah i guess like they would like give out t-shirts and hats and now like, in 2018, at least, they were, like, given backpacks inside of plain white bags. <laughs> so it was just like, what are you doing, St. Louis? That's weird. That's extremely fucked up. <laughs> like, that's awful. Yeah. Um, I wonder what made the setback. Like, I wonder, because it's, it's normally, like, teams start off really shitty and then get really good. Yeah. Um, so that's that's weird. Hmm. That's unfortunate either way. <laughs> but it's such a drastic change in like three years from like having drag queens or whatever to not even doing it at home and going to what to DC exactly. and having like a watch party. That's so weird. Yeah, it's it's definitely disheartening. I, I'm my heart feels um for you know, I mean, the LGBTQ in St. Louis, the fans yeah. of the blues who just like, basically, this is like, in my opinion, a slap in the face. Yeah. Um, so and that's I heard that they were, like, they were like, they did the watch party instead to like, reach out to more people instead of holding like 3000 seats for LGBT like fans. And they were like, well, we can reach out more people if we clo- if it's during an away game and we invite people to the arena because during the playoffs we had such good watch parties. And I was just like, that doesn't sound like good logic to me, but all right. Like, I, there's just, I mean, listen, I can't speak for the LGBTQ, um, but what I can say is that I feel like as just a fan – there's a difference when it's like your team's at home and you see the players that you root for wearing pride tape in your arena, mm-hmm. you know, together, not watching it on a, a the Jumbotron. Um, right. Because they're not going to be wearing pride tape in D.C., I in don't DC. think, unless they do. Yeah, unless they do, and I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. Um, I get the idea of like having your fans come to the arena to, to join together, but I'm like, that's a really good idea for away games for playoffs, not necessarily a pride night that just, I don't know. I don't know. Didn't I not a fan of the blues doing that or the Sabres doing that? Like, I just don't, who knows? So frustrating. Um, okay, but 
In other news, I think that the NHL GMs listened to our last episode where we complained about the emergency backup goalies because in their like yearly meetings down in like Florida after like golfing, they get together and they're like, oh, hey, like, let's let's um, talk about a few things. And they decided to like leave that, like leave the emergency backup goalies. Like they were just like, we're not even going to touch it right now. Because um, I think the pushback from everyone. Something that also came out after the NHL GM meetings were, was the range increase for the salary cap. So for next season, the NHL projected increase for the salary cap is 84 to $88.2 million, which is a... It's a substantial increase. Um, right now, the salary cap is 81.5. And, you know, if if it happens, it would be very nice. Like, that would definitely help out a few teams. Specifically the fans. That's a very, yeah, that'd be really, really nice if they got such an increase. But I feel like so many um, prominent players just signed their deals or whatever and now the salary cap is going up so it's just like dang <laughs> i mean yeah but to me i i guess i just don't trust it i think last <laughs> i feel like this time last year we were told that it was going to be increased to 84 million and it increased only one only to 81.5 and as someone who was like you know, salary cap watching that kind of screwed over my team. So I, I just feel like at most, I think it'll be 84. Um, I don't think it'll be 88. If it is, then the NHL is hiding something because how is it <laughs> able to increase that much? Like what is there? The revenue hasn't been that, that much, uh, the increase for this year. So um, I'm really interested to see how it is, but it'll be nice because that's like, listen, $3 million is like a good depth player. So I don't hate it. But um, it's also like, do you guys understand escrow? No. Yeah, like <laughs> two. Oh, gosh, Christy. Why did you say this earlier? I would have found the definition. Sorry. All right. So. All right. So escrow is. Oh, no. Okay. So the term escrow refers to money held by a third party for two uh, for two others involved in a transaction. What it means in context uh what the, it means in the context of the NHL is a portion of NHL players' salaries is deducted from each player's check and put in a fund that sits there until the end of the season. When the NHL has a decent estimate of their revenue, just as the season is about to start, the escrow deduction amount is decided. After the season is over and the league knows its actual revenue, they can determine how much of the escrow account gets doled out to the players and how much teams get. This results in a 50-50 split in revenue. It's not a tax, but to a player, it feels like one. And to a player today, after the lockout, the amount of escrow is large, and the amount, and the amount that ever comes back is, and the amount that comes back is small. Um, <coughs> prior to the most recent CBA, the split was not 50-50, and there were times that players got more back than they put into the escrow. Um, obviously those days are gone. Um, and so now it's like a 50, 50 percentage. Um, so like in 2016, 2017, there was 15.5% withheld and, um, it didn't say uh, how much got refunded back to the players. I still don't understand, (laughs) but I feel like. So, like, it's basically, I don't know. It's like, that's, it's like money taken out of a player's check to, like, make sure that the NHL, like, hits its, like, revenue budget, I guess. So, like, if, so that the NHL never goes under. 
like with revenue and like so if so it takes this money out and they're like okay well how much do how much did we make then like they supplement any any of the money like back to the nhl players and back to the nhl team oh so players are never gonna get all of that money back no no they they never to get all of that money yeah okay so i see why they hate it yeah, that's why they want to keep it low and 50-50 so that no matter what, they're always, it's not taking so much out of their, out of their, uh, out of their check. Gotcha. Gotcha. That sucks. Because they already have to pay taxes and then they have to yeah. do extra. No wonder they all want to go to like no tax teams. <laughs> okay, so recently we had a player score five goals. Christy, do you want to take this over? Because this seems like this is up your alley. No, I can't be like subjective about it. I was like freaking out because at first I thought it was just a hat trick. And I'm just like, oh, a hat trick. <laughs> and then I saw it was five goals and I was like, against the Caps in a game that the Caps needed to lose? I was over the moon at 6 a.m. I was late to work this morning. Because <laughs> I was looking at stuff. Does this officially he's make... so happy. Does this make him a friend of the podcast? He is. He's always been. Uh-huh. Debatable, but okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kelsey. I feel, like you, I feel like you always have my back in times when I need it. Like, like... I mean, I don't know. Like, is Mika blocked now? No. But I don't know if I would say he's a friend yet. We have to see how the Penguins and the, and the like, how the Rangers play when they play the Penguins to see if he's a friend of the podcast. Was this but on, that's... um, they're on the Rangers Pride Night as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mika's a bit of a known ally. Well, I, I I can't say that, but I I would hope he is. <laughs> seems like he's like a good person, so hopefully. I, I, I think he is. I mean, we'll never really know, you know? Um, but still amazing. Like, I don't even know how, like, has anyone scored five goals in a game, like, recently? Yeah. Like, no. not when Mario Lemieux did it. If someone brings up that time, like, goes, I get it. I know oh, he did it. He's five goals, five ways. different goals, five different ways. I know. I was like, the, every day, like, every year, the day that he did it is, like, a re- day of remembrance. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, like he's God. dead or something. Yeah, do you ever think Mario's, like, guys, I'm still alive? <laughs> like, he's right there. The way that they talk <laughs> about him, I'm like, okay, back to Nisha. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to say? He scored five goals. It's just he's such a good player. Like, he plays in all situations. You know, he's out there on the power play. That's where that's his bread and butter. And then the fourth goal, um, Capo Caco, he like threw it to the boards, and then Miko got that rebound, empty net basically. Sorry to that poor child in goal, but. You know? Wasn't it Hopi and Gold? Nah, it was the other one. Oh, okay, good. I felt bad. I thought it was Hopi. I was going <laughs> to be like, Mika just undressed him. See, I would have like... preferred that. I would have preferred that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, wow. Like, it was, I mean, the Caps, we needed the Caps to lose. Um, unfortunately, the Rangers didn't do us any favors and went to overtime. So it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, good for him scoring five goals. Wait, Mika scored five goals on his own and they still went to overtime? (laughs) Yes. What are the Rangers doing? The Rangers won (laughs) 6-5 in overtime. 6-5 they won. And, like, every time he would score and, like, he would get them, like, the lead, they'd just give it right back up. Like, quickly. (laughs) I was like, very bad. But honestly, that sounds like something the penguins would do to someone. Um, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I could see it. Um, yeah, I could. Can we talk about how Mika left that game with a zero plus minus? (laughs) I don't know what to say. (laughs) Is that good? Like, listen, the Rangers are bad. The Rangers are kind of bad, but they're kind of fun. Kind of. I mean, 
I feel like they can be fun to everyone since they're kind of like harmless and out of like. Are they out of playoff contention? No, they're like two. Po- they're like four oh. points out of the, wi- the wild good part. Like they're like about to. Um, they're like they can make a playoff push. Well, yeah, you know. No, the ra- the Rangers never just lay down and go to sleep. Like they're always still finding a way, and it's frustrating. I mean, they don't make it, but it's like they give they do enough to make you like a little nervous. Do you guys know those like? Okay, and I know Danielle's feelings on this, which is that he does it to himself. But like, do you know those abandoned animal commercials with like Sarah McLaughlin? <laughs> Are I, you about to do this, Lion Rick Lundquist? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. He it. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he wants to stay there. Like, how is that not his choice? Okay. Like, they don't have a gun to his head and saying, "Get back in goal." They're literally like. We haven't started you in a month. Like, give up. Like, request a trade. He's like, no. They're trying to ghost him off their own team. (laughs) They are. They are. If if that little boy didn't get into a car accident, I don't know if this would have played. That little boy? First of all, put some respect on his name, okay? Can you say his name? No, I don't even know who he is. And that's that's my right. That's yes. my right. And you know what? You never will. You will. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Like you by will. the time he's, he's like by the time the Rangers are good, I'll be dead or out of liking <laughs> hockey. So <laughs> no thanks. I know okay. you are, which is I'm happy like... for you only. Thank you. I'm like, I'm like, okay. Like, I'm not like happy for you, but I'm just like, I'm not like mad for you. Christy can have a little ranger success as a treat. Like, like <laughs> after the, after like the penguins have solidified their like playoff position and, and I don't have to worry about it. Sure. Like if this were to happen in the last season of the game, I mean, the last game of the season, I would be happy for her, but it didn't. Like, the Rangers are still, like, pesky. Are any other NHL news? Wait, I just want to know, what is, like, the five-goal thing? If we have the hat trick? Everyone's been trying to... Some... <laughs> Everyone's been trying to figure it out. And uh, the last person I saw that had something was Manny. And this is oh, God. but he said he has... <laughs> <laughs> he said he has to show like his you know and the balls oh okay. <laughs> so I was like you know what like I like I'm yeah, not a part of this it. so I'm just gonna log off see I always figured like all of it was on four goals cause like what's the point of just partial <laughs> that's actually that's pretty fair to the penguins I have, like, I, I feel like there isn't so much that we can say because they only have played a few, like, a few amount of games since the last time we recorded, but they are, they have one, which is nice, a nice change of pace. Um, <laughs> but there's been some things that I have been wondering about, so I can't wait to get your guys' opinion on it. First thing is a tweet from, a tweet from Dan Kingerski. Kingerski, he said, since Ottawa is heading out of town, here's a post-trade deadline nugget. The Pens did inquire about defenseman Ron Hainsey. The price was extremely high, and that was the end of it. Your thoughts on, on old Ron Hainsey making a comeback in Pittsburgh? I'm not sure what extremely high means, but honestly, that GM, who I don't even know who it is anymore, must have, like a lot of balls to go for something extremely high. Like, what? It's Ron Hainsey. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I um, I absolutely understand that, but he's also, like, a per, like a premier penalty killer still. For I don't know how he's still good on the penalty kill. <laughs> but he is. And, you know, that's having a good penny, penalty killer on your team, go heading into the playoffs, definitely is a commodity so I can see 
why teams would um, inquire about him. Why they want to keep him, I don't know. Like, why they wouldn't just trade him, I have no idea. I just, what is Jim's fascination with things that he's broken, people he's broken up with? I mean, I think that he likes to just, like, keep tabs on them, you know? <laughs> and Hainsey, this isn't the second time that he's inquired Hainsey, like, or inquired about him. Like, he had Hainsey in Carolina, had Hainsey in Pittsburgh. Maybe maybe third time's a charm for Jim. Like, he likes players that he's drafted or, like, signed. <laughs> I'm, I just, I feel like he'd be just, like, another sort of wasted defense defense spot I mean Mm -hmm. not that he's he's not necessarily bad but he's just like I don't really think he brings anything except for like you said penalty kill yeah for sure nothing five on five my fear is that I think Ron Hainsey's corpse at this point is better than Jack Johnson (laughs) however would they play him over Jack Johnson I don't think so so what is the point like Schultz would sit and it would be like Hazy Johnson pair, <laughs> and like and like this is the thing like they probably are the same side, so Johnson would play on his offside, which he's like worse at. So like that would be the defensive pairing. First <laughs> like, pair, literally twenty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah, probably. That's my hell. I can't. Um. Okay. So there are some injuries that we actually touched on. We touched on a few, but Dominic Simone um, got injured since the last time we talked and it's upper body and he's week to week and he got hurt on the second of this month. And then we all, of course, we know that Zach Aston Reese and Gensel are out, um, but we got some healthy players back. Dumo and Marino, literally the day we released our last episode, came back in the lineup against Ottawa, which was great. And then against Buffalo, Bukestad returned to the lineup. Um, what did you guys think of the of them? How they play so far? Dumo and Marino? Dumo, Marino, and Bukestad. Okay, so I didn't remember what Bukestad, Bukestad's number was. Because I could have swore, <laughs> swore Galchenyuk's number was 27. So I was just like, why is, why is he wearing 27? She's like, what's going on? <laughs> I, thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was okay. Dumo and Marino were perfect. You know, angels. But yeah, I thought everybody was fine. Marino, first shift, first shot, goal. Come on, like he's amazing. He's a prodigy. He's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, Dumo, we all know my feelings on Dumo. Love him. Yeah. Uh, said, great, great job. Great job. He's like hockey in like five months. <laughs> I know. He's just Uh, happy to be there with his friends. He's literally just happy to play. (laughs) He's just missed hockey so much. And he's Um, big and tall, and I like it. You know, he is. And (laughs) I actually, like, was... I I don't know if it's, like, my mind just forgot about Bukestad. He was out so long. But I've always, like, even before he played, I've always wanted to trade him because, like, in my heart and in my head, Jared McCann is a 3C. And I love Jared McCann, so I don't want to trade Jared McCann. And I think that he just, I think he likes to play center better than wing. And I think that he looks good at center. So, like, Bukestad coming back kind of was, like, killing my vibe. But after looking at the numbers, I, you know what? Bukestad's okay with me. Like, he's... He's good, and he's a good big 3C, and I can't complain about that because I just remember years prior when the Penguins struggled at 3C, so yeah, I'll accept that. I thought Dumo and Marino looked so good. Um, I looked up, I pulled up the defensive pairings, and I, it, was, it shocked me to find out that Chris Letang and Brian Dumlin have only played 17 games together. That's insane. 
ever? That's it. No, 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 this season. Oh, that's what I was going to Oh, I was about to be like, uh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at the stats for this season. So everything I'm saying is about this season. But yeah, they've only played 17 games together this season. And um, like, we're, I guess these are 17 games where they both were healthy. And that's just insane to me. Um, but they just, they're like, um, Corsi 4 and Goals 4 percentage per 60 is just so good and um and then having marino back it just literally it just slots in our first and second uh defensive pairings so perfectly and i felt like as soon as they came back you could see the offense just flourish in the penguins Mm -hmm. because they had defensemen that could come up and and one keep the puck in the offensive zone that's like a very i feel like underrated thing like they are very good at the blue line of keeping the puck in uh, to sustain pressure. Um, and then I also think that they just, like, in transition, get the puck up to the centers. And I think that puts takes a big load off of our centers. Um, because, like, obviously, Crosby and Malkin are so skilled. Um, but they are getting older. So I think the better that, like, the more help they can get, like, in transition helps them just focus on offense. Um, even though obviously we want them to focus on defensive play as well, because they are going up against good, uh, competition. It just like, you know, any little bit helps. So I really focused on that. Like it just was a difference watching them in the lineup compared to when they weren't in the lineup. So really transforms the defense, pushes everybody in their right position. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Made me happy. I thought it was super, um, noticeable, during the Buffalo game when Buffalo was having a lot of sustained zone time. Mm -hmm. But then, um, like, you look at the shots and they had very few actually getting through to Murray. So it was – I felt like that was, you know, a testament to the defense and the defensive work that our rejuvenated pairings were doing um, in – you know, even if the other team was getting significant offensive zone time, they weren't letting up really, like, high-danger shots. Yeah, yeah. And um, the only thing I would say, I think when we you when you saw the Penguins get into a lot of trouble, um, unfortunately, it was that third pairing that got exposed. Mm-hmm. And you could really see it when it was when they were out against Eichel's line. Um, their their stats are pretty bad uh, yeah. together. Jack Johnson and, and Schultz. But I think we all we all knew that um, it's unfortunate that Schultz has to play with Jack Johnson. But it's like, you know, in the position where it's like Jack Johnson has to be in the lineup because of reasons. Um, <laughs> and Dumo and Latang and Pedersen and Marino just look so good together. And I, I also feel like you could see Pedersen had a really good game, especially against Buffalo. He looked fantastic. He probably was their best um, skater on the ice, mm-hmm. um, which is so rare for it to be a defenseman not named Chris Latang. For the Penguins, you know, who had the be- was one of the best skaters. So he had a really good game. And I think you could just tell because of who he, he was paired up with. And they just work really well together. So it kind of is just like unfortunate with Schultz that he has to get paired up with Jack Johnson. But um, like it's mm-hmm. it's not good. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, it's not horrible. Like they're high danger. Corsi 4 per uh, Corsi 4 percentage per 60 is like 5.37 so they only have five basically high danger shots when they're on the ice per 60 minutes and they have 10 against so it's not doing that great Uh, but I think we all do that like I said (laughs) it was just so interesting to I mean you guys know I like to look into the stats so it was like really interesting to see how good the boys were with Dumo and Marino back um, and even Bukestad, yeah. Moving on to the lines, the forward lines. We talked about the defense, obviously. Um, so we got a little bit more, we, well, we got a better look at the three additions. One is nothing new. Um, Zucker, Crosby, and Sheary together. Then we saw Marlowe, Malkin, and Russ together. Um, McCann, Bukestad, and Hornquist together. And Tana, Blue, Bluger, and rodriguez together so did any of the new guys to stand out to you did you guys like any of the lines did you have any concerns what are you guys thinking i'm shocked 
that Connor Sheary has been playing so well. <laughs> <laughs> like I haven't seen him fall down once. He's been <laughs> he's been fast, keeping his body up there. Had a couple of assists, slot right in there with Sid. So I really I really liked um, Connor Sheary so far. Still skeptical about Marlowe. I like don't trust him, but whatever. I mean, well. <laughs> I was today years old when I found out he was 40 and been in the league for 22 years. <laughs> How old did you think he was? I don't know, like 37, 36. I don't know how old I thought he was. But it makes, like, everything makes a lot more sense because, like, they would post pictures of him and I was like, geez, he looks horrible. Like, he looks old <laughs> in those pictures. And I'm like, oh, he is. Like, I don't know. Um... Yeah, he's a—he's uh, not a spring chicken. Can we just take the opportunity, since we're talking about Marlo, um, to appreciate how fantastic Brian Rust has been recently? I, like, I mean, we could have a whole podcast dedicated <laughs> to, to Bri- uh, Brian Rust. I, I mean, this guy is like... I don't know, like, whatever he did over the offseason. And I'll tell you, I followed his wife in the offseason. Um, and they obviously got married. And they were vacationing for a long time, in my opinion. And I just going to say, like, I, <laughs> I hope he's ready for training camp, which is, like, horrible to think about. Like, congrats on your wedding, dude. Like, super happy for you. You look happy, which is great. But also, the Penguins fan in me was just, like, rest. You sometimes don't hit the net when you shoot and that's something of a concern um but whatever he did gosh he turned it completely around I would have never guessed that he could be this consistently and we can't forget his greatest contribution was breaking his hand early in the season so he couldn't be traded along with that oh, yes <laughs> how many like breaks we got <laughs> so oh my gosh pour one out for Olimata of course who couldn't oh escape oh my gosh mm-hmm. literally like what like Oli was traded for what at this point Kanashiri oh no was it all he? it all came full circle yes cuz we traded she- I mean we traded Mata for Kahoon and then we traded Kahoon for Kanashiri <laughs> Mata was traded for Connor Sherry. Yes. Oh, that's so horrible. And didn't we trade Connor Sherry and whomever for Jack Johnson to make room to sign Jack Johnson? Yes. Yeah. Hockey time is different. That's so crazy. Like, I'll never forget, like, Buffalo fans or Sabres fans. I don't know they're one of the same. Sabres fans being like, oh, like, we got, like, G- Botterill. Like, like, he's... Uh, What's the word that they they always say? Like he fleeced I don't know, him. Like, yeah, fleeced uh, Rutherford. Rutherford's an old hag. Like he doesn't know. <laughs> He's stupid. Like all oh, the Those penguins are garbage. <laughs> That's like yeah. Like okay, they weren't like too far off. But I just remember being like Connor Sheary is not hot shit. Like you guys literally are like gagging over this kid who is not going to do anything for you. And he didn't. He didn't do anything for them except for when they played against the the Penguins. And they were like, Shiri's so good, so good. But I was actually talking to a Buffalo beat reporter the other day, and he was saying how, like, they traded Shiri because, well, on their on their viewpoint, they feel like they won the trade. Because mm-hmm. they trade, they got rid of Sherry because Sherry wasn't going to resign in Buffalo anyway, and he felt like he didn't really want to stay there. So they got rid of, they got something for Sherry, and they didn't like uh, Evan Rodriguez, so they got rid of Evan Rodriguez, which is like baffling to me because I actually really liked Rodriguez um, when like ever since I started watching the Sabers, he's like a really good depth guy. He's like Brian Russ before Brian became, like, this. Before he got hands. 
Yeah, before he got hands. Like, I mean, he doesn't, Rodriguez doesn't miss as much, but he's always put in, like, a defensive role. And nine times out of ten, um, with the Sabres, he was playing at center, um, which he wouldn't hear. He'd be playing winger, which I think is um, easier for him. So, um, yeah. Just interesting to see how, like, that different viewpoint, because I was like, I definitely would have thought that Pittsburgh won. That trade, even though I genuinely was devastated, I loved Dominic Cahoon. Like, I loved him. I loved him on Malkin's wing with Rust. So, um, I asked about the lines because, of course, I was deep diving into the stats. And, you know, I think based on the eye test, we could see that the the Zucker-Crosby-Sherry line is definitely starting to get some chemistry, and we can see the production. Um, even even when they don't score, they're definitely hemming the other team in in their own zone. Um, then, of course, I looked at the Marlowe-Mulkin-Russ line, which I still am not a fan of. Overall, their statistics aren't good, um, but... They, in a, I mean, obviously, everything I'm saying is a limited sample size because these guys have been playing. They haven't played enough um, to, to have 100 minutes time on ice, which is what I like to, to have. So that's why I'm not saying any of the stats. But the stats weren't good. But the game against the Sabres, they were very good, that line. But the only thing that concerns me is that it's against the Sabres. And so if you're not out against Jack, you're kind of really... You have the upper hand. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, obviously, I think I still think that Malkin's line would have the upper hand against Jack's line. But I mean, obviously, Jack is a very good player and Reinhardt is a very good player. So they can counteract that. But anyway, thought that that line did good in that game. Um, I'm interested to see how it how it uh, how that play uh, progresses as they have more time on ice together. The other surprising line that, well, the other line that surprised me was the Tanev Bluger Rodriguez line, and obviously we talked a lot about Zach Aston Reese the last episode um, because that line of Tanner Bluger whoever has not been good, but last night or the the amount of time they've been together, they have had insane numbers. Like I'm telling you. It's unsustainable how good that line has been, but it's just so shocking that they're do they have they are so good when they're getting mostly defensive starts. And obviously that line would get defensive starts because they have been the checking line for Sullivan. But it's just interesting to see interesting to see them do so well together. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where Rodriguez is in the lineup when the Penguins do get a little bit healthy, whether that's getting Simone back or getting Roger, uh, Zach Aston Reese back. It'll be interesting to see where Rodriguez goes. Um, then the last line of McCann, Buxat, and Hornquist. So <laughs> this was the only line that did bad against the Sabres. Um, and really, it's just like Hornquist is playing out of his mind right now. <laughs> so... Um, he definitely helped out that line. I thought that Buke said had, I mean, it was his first game back, but I, I didn't think he looked great. Um, other people thought he did look great, but I wasn't like wowed by him. But again, this was his first game back. Did you got? did he stand out to any of you guys? Not like, not like in the way you would expect someone who hasn't played in like, five months to stand up like I thought for his first day first game back he was fine like he wasn't like glaringly horrible I thought he was okay yeah he had a few turnovers that I saw but again I kept having to remind myself I it was that I was like 27 what what is going on and then I was like oh that's big sad <laughs> um so interested to see how that line goes. Hornquist is really playing like a vi- like he's playing very good hockey right now, which makes me nervous um, because I feel like every time Horny plays really good, he ends up getting hurt, and I don't want that because he. I mean, he plays a, a power. He's a power forward. He plays a tough game, so hopefully he can stay healthy because he's just not only just like a important player in the locker room, but like just an important player depth wise. 
Yeah. He's just so... Not like he doesn't give a fuck about his body, but he, he just, like, throws himself in any and all situations. And, I, like, with zero hesitation, and that's wild to me that he does that. Yeah. He he plays the same game. He plays the same way. Like he's all in every single shift, and it's that must be exhausting. It's exhausting <laughs> like, to watch sometimes. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm always I'm always worried for him. But he scored. I think I had like twenty goal. Like he's had twenty goals the past like eight years. Yeah, like, consistently. And that's. Yeah, I mean, I I will take it. And he was the last player drafted in that job. draft. Yeah. Sid was the first. Horny was the last. Oh, so, oh that's like, so I like that story. It is. Speaking of, I have another. I do have concerns about another lineup. And that would Uh-oh. be the line to enter the ice. Yes, I hate that. I don't like it. Wait, Wait, I don't, I don't know what's going on. What? The line to enter the li- the ice? Yes. How they enter the order? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was out of control. Like I don't like it. They give, they've given so how... much to Patrick Marlowe, and yet what has he given to us? <laughs> Not a goal. <laughs> A single assist. <laughs> like I'm, I feel like I'm very much like the Blackhawks right now. Where I'm just like, I just need one goal, like <laughs> one goal, please. Like I, yeah, yeah. But I thought that was so funny because they were like, when it happened, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like that's Sid being respectful. Like, can you believe it? And I was like, Malkin was like, "Not today." Like, so I know. Go ahead. <laughs> And that's how it is. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's my king. But then when it came out in reports, Marlo was like, yeah, I he was like, nah, like, I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to do it. And then Sid was like, every day was like, do you want to go after me? Do you want to go after me? Do you want to go after me? And Marlo was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go after you. And then they won. And he was like, I'll do whatever these guys tell me to. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a man who's been playing in the league for 22 years and does not have a cup. Like, how does that happen? He has to be more superstitious, I guess. I, yeah, oh that's very true. Sid is uh, insane. Like, yeah, and then like then the story, like Sid was like, oh yeah, like you know, like just trying to be like polite, and then it was like, <laughs> no, you're being psychotic. <laughs> like, and then like I guess like I saw a report where Sid was like, yeah, he made me work for it, and I was like, God, like this guy loves it. He likes like, it. He likes it. <laughs> Well, like, yes, yeah, Sid likes anyone who gives him a hard time. Like that's for sure. But he like, I love that Marlo, like, wasn't even like really giving him a hard time he was just like no i'm i'm good and so it was like this guy i'm gonna get him I know. Like, oh look at this guy has jokes and he's like i'm literally not joking good like i don't know how your personality that well like I, this isn't me joking and so it's like oh he's so hilarious sid is such a dweeb yeah he is he is it's embarrassing but but a little bit like endearing it. for sure I just don't trust Marlo. I don't know. I think it's something about his face. I was very disgruntled that he didn't come back with the team and, like, skipped a day of practice to hang out with Mitch Marner. Yes! (laughs) I agree, Kelsey. I don't trust that behavior. Who does he think he is? I saw that and I was like, this team lets him do whatever he wants. And then they were like, oh, no, he came back for his family. And then his wife's like, oh, family dinner. And I'm like, ew. What has he done? He's not their actual father. (laughs) (laughs) They both have dads, okay? Just because you're old enough to be doesn't mean you are. Like, do you love them? Like, gross. (laughs) Grow up. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. That's fair, Christy. I I feel like I'm like I'm a very like 
cold-hearted to Marlo, and I feel like it's justified. And so it feels good when I see that other people are a little cold-hearted <laughs> to him, too. Because everyone's like, oh, my God, he was a Penguins fan. And I was like, anyone can wear a Penguins shirt. Anyone. Like, God forbid. Oh, his favorite player was Mario Lemieux? How, like, how cliche. I mean, or how niche. How niche. Like, oh, he picked a really low-key player to like. Like, oh, of course. But I wanted to move on to the coach. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So I got this really cryptic DM from from Christy, and she was like, listen to this. So apparently Sullivan was on 31 Thoughts Coach's Corner, and yeah, Christy, I know you listened to it. Did you have thoughts? What was your overall opinion? I just feel like Sullivan is a good person he was very not a good person good coach he was very (laughs) at times Um, i mean he is from boston so yeah yeah oh my gosh his boston his accent was so thick that i like didn't know what to do with myself but also he was pretty cryptic in what he was saying but the difference in when he talked about sid like the difference when you talked about Malkin was like palpable. Like I was just like, geez, you don't hold both of these players in the same regard. Even but like you kind of do, but not really. You talk more about Sid than you talk about Mal- Malkin. But yeah, I but felt yeah. like the interviewers were very much like, Oh, does Sid like blink three times? Like tell us every time you've heard him take a an inhale and like <laughs> Sullivan was just like, huh? So, like, I I felt like, to a point, like, they were, like, you know, asking him about Sid. So, I felt like that's why I talked about him a lot. But um, I always feel like Gino's an afterthought anyway, especially to Canadian media. So, um, I wasn't, like, really surprised. Um, It was, like, annoying to me. Like, even though Sullivan said, like, what I was thinking, like, yeah, Gino still was, like, over a point per game last season. Um, it was just like, oh, he needs to be better defensively. Like he needs to fix work on his game to get back to that level of being like a generational talent. And that was just like, to me, I was like, even with his down season last year, he still is a generational talent. Like, I don't think that ever can be taken away from him, but so I don't know that like rubbed me the wrong way. But honestly, a lot of things that Sullivan says, like I'm always like skeptical of. So. I feel like I couldn't be, like, (laughs) an unbiased judge of that interview. (laughs) But I do think, I definitely agree with you. I think he's just, he's so, like, he's so on. And I think that we talk about, like, players and how they are to the media a lot. But, like, coaches are the exact same way. Like, they're very rehearsed, um, just like players are. And I think Sullivan is, like, definitely on that rehearsed um, side because he... Mm -hmm always says like he always seems to know what to say or say or how to say it in a right way and if he doesn't then he's just quiet like he just doesn't say anything yeah like when they asked about the mock and trade um rumors or whatever he gave nothing away he was just like i know you guys in the media like to spin this but me and jim knew what was in our hearts or whatever (laughs) yeah and i'm like that's such a bullshit answer like you were gonna trade him like right and like if that was really what was going through their mind or whatever that's ridiculous because you just said a second ago that he was a generational talent so why would you think about trading him but That just, like, shows me how, like, sneaky Rutherford is and, um, and Sullivan. And I just, to me, that just solidified, like, during the the summer and everyone was like, you're overreacting, like, Malkin's not going to get traded. It was like, yes, he could. Like, where are these, like, these, um, credentialed, um, writers who, uh, you know, have ins with GMs, where are they getting this information from? Someone is floating this information to them. And it is Jim Rutherford. Like, come on, we know how Pittsburgh media is, and we know that Jim 
plays the media how he wants it. So, like, we all know you're trying to scare Monken. And that to me, that's fucked up because he's done so much for that organization. And, like, he, every time he talks about it, he talks about how much he loves playing there and he doesn't want to leave. And you guys use that. And for what? It's just, I don't know. To me, they're monsters, but... I felt like that. I felt a little bit justified after that answer. I was like, oh, yeah, they definitely were, like, you know, literally, like, scaring Malkin, saying that they would train him. I know. I get. But then, when, when people talk about the penguins, Danielle, I know you get, like, I know you're always just like, okay, they don't talk about Malkin enough, which they, which they definitely don't, and they don't give him his credit. But I feel like they never mention Latang. Like, it's always Sid, he gets like 100 mentions, and then Gino gets maybe like 75, and then like Latang gets like 25% of like the credit. I'm just like, oh, he's been there too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely get that. I, and maybe this is like, an unpopular opinion, but I just, I, I think Latang is amazing. I think Latang is great, but I don't think Latang is to the level of Malkin and Crosby. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, he's top 10 in defensemen, but he was never the number, like he was the number one defenseman, I think at some points in his career, but he never was the number one defenseman in the league as consistently as Crosby and Malkin have been, like for their position as centers, like he, it, like okay. it's not like he's like Eric Carlson, where he literally took the team on his back himself year after year after year, and like by himself. And and to be honest, maybe we never saw that because he always played with Crosby and Malkin. So, you know. It's kind of, like, to a lesser extent how, like, everyone's like, Malkin's really good, but is he, like, we never know what his potential would have been because he never was that 1C his whole career. And it's like, that's kind of how Chris Letang was, but he's always been behind Malkin and, and Crosby. I think with Letang, because he's been injured for so that's also like, yeah. Like even when he does have like that number one defenseman season, he's out like half the season. So people don't see it for a whole season, which kind of sucks yeah. for him. Cause he's like the past like last year, I think he could have been in the Norris conversation, but then he got injured and he missed like twenty games. So mm. <sighs> Yeah. That's so interesting. I never thought about it from his point of view. I literally only view the Penguins from Malkin's point of view. So that's interesting <laughs> to take a second and, and look at, you know, look from a different uh, viewpoint. Okay. Really quickly, we are wrapping up. Um, goaltending. So before last episode, um, you know, I, I think we all would have agreed that goaltending was not an issue but I felt like after you know after the Penguins started to get on the right track defensemen came back people started talking about the goaltending and how it hasn't been good like that good and um I mean obviously that makes sense because Sullivan has been splitting starts between uh, Murray and Jari however this past week we saw that Sullivan started Murray twice um and this is the first time that the Penguins goalie has started uh, two games in a row um, since, I want to say, February. So right here, I have Murray's numbers in the pa his past five games and Jari's numbers in his past five games. And, you know, just from this, like, I wanted to get your guys' opinions on, like, you know, who, like, how would you prefer this goaltending situation to get, like, how would you prefer it to go for the rest of the season? I feel like right now they're trying to, like, kickstart Murray. Because Murray tends to be very hot, and then he'll go cold, and then he'll get hot again. And I feel like they're trying to get him on, like, a hot streak, um, especially heading into playoffs. I know it's still a little bit early to, like, really get him going for playoffs. But I think that, um, like, getting him to feel confident and get his level of compete up, um, I think is something that they're really focusing on right now. Um, 
But then you also have Jari, who's been playing spectacularly, um, and I would like to see them play him a little bit more than it looks like they're planning to, um, because you also want to keep, you know, his confidence and his level of compete and his um, energy up. So I, I think it's going to be kind of a really delicate balancing act, um, because you don't want to, like, just stop using a goalie when they're having a hot streak, but at the same time, you do want to give some of the goalies um, consistency. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like right now they're giving Murray the bulk of the starts because he's the one who broke the win streak. Like, I would be... I would be curious to see who they start on... Against the Caps. Saturday. Yeah, against the Caps. Because I feel like this is a must-win game. And if it's Jari, I think that means that they trust him because by the numbers, he's been the better goaltender. Or if they're going to start Murray for a third game in a row because they've been winning with Murray. So I, I think whoever starts this game, the next game, would be very telling. I wouldn't really be surprised if it was Murray because, A, he's, you know, being on a hot streak um, and then also not, eh, yeah, a hot streak. And then also, I mean, I feel like they like to play him against the Capitals just from his, like, experience. But it's like, Jari's been playing amazingly and he, you know, doesn't have that experience because he doesn't have it. You, You know, eventually you might want to try him out against the Capitals, but we'll see. I think what you guys said is definitely fair. Um, it's it's a little bit frustrating to me just because, I don't know, I feel like this season I've just, my heart has just, like, softened so much for Jari. And I just don't, I just, I just feel like if what we think is going to happen and Sullivan just starts Mur- Murray as he's the starter for the rest of the season, I just think that's such a slap in the face to Jari because when the team needed him, he he stepped up and he mm-hmm. played phenomenally. And for a lot a lot part of the season, you know, he, he was the reason why the Pens were winning. He gave them fantastic games and um, held them in. And for just Sullivan to just kind of just go back to Murray like he always does, just like a little bit of a slap in the face. I mean, I get it. You wanna you wanna start your the goalie that you trust. Um, and I'm not saying that I I don't think that. Murray deserves that trust, but um, I just feel like Jari has definitely deserved some trust of his own. But um, I just for Jari to start, it'll be it'll be it will shock me if Jari does start against the Caps because you know, like you said, Kelsey Murray has started both games that they've played against the Caps, and he hasn't Jari hasn't played since last Saturday, so this is a full week off with no games against a must-win team or a must-win game. So it'll be interesting. If he doesn't start against the Caps, he'll start against Carolina the the next night, which is also puts him in a tough position because then he hasn't played again in, in a week and the team in front of him is tired. So either way, I think they put him in a, in a tough position. Um, I saw on Twitter, um, I asked actually Wes Crosby who he thought would start in that because he said he asked Sullivan and Sullivan said he knows who he's going to start, but he's not going to tell anyone until right before the game. Why? And I, I asked Wes what he, cause he's annoying. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Wes said he's 55 to 45% sure, like 55% sure it'll be uh, Murray, 45% it would be Jari. So um, even the beat writers that follow this team around don't know for sure. Like can't be a, can't be super confident. So I thought that was interesting. Um, one last thing on them both. I did see just, you know, gauging. I like to, you know, peruse around the Wilkes-Barre Scranton fans because I they feel like they've seen Jari the most. And some of them were saying that Jari definitely plays better when he has more starts, when he's starting, <laughs> like, you know, every other night and and I think that we've seen that past this this season that he has played some of his best hockey when he's getting consistent starts meanwhile Murray plays his best hockey when he's vying for starts against another goaltender 
Um, so I thought that was interesting. I didn't know how you guys felt about that. If you thought that was true or if you thought that it wasn't true. I definitely think that it's true. And that's so difficult because, you know, Jari has definitely earned every, every spot. You know, he yeah. he deserves to play. Um, and it's just hard trying to balance two good goaltenders that, you know, I think the Penguins know... And I mean, it's been clear over the past, well, not last playoffs, but like, you know, when the Capitals won the cup and when the Penguins won their back-to-back cups, you, it's really important to have two strong goaltenders going into playoffs. And in order to keep, you know, a strong tandem, they both need playing time and it's so hard to divvy that up and, you know, make it so that both are at their best during playoffs and balance playing time for them both so it's it's very difficult with when you have two goalies that each deserve starts and to play yeah i completely agree with you um sorry what were you gonna say something christy i kind of think then that like jari and murray are good for each other then because if you're like Jari plays better when he's playing a lot and Murray plays better when he's vying for a spot. Then this kind of, this situation, I don't know what Mike Sullivan um, is doing, but like this situation kind of, like if you play Jari more and Murray has to compete for that spot, then it's going to be better for both goalies. Like, you know what I mean? Like if Jari's getting more starts and then Murray has to be like, oh shit, I have to do better because he's, he's coming for me then that leads them both to play well. Yeah. It does, but it doesn't mean that they'll both they'll play often. I think that Sullivan is always I mean, we've seen him when we think that he's completely turned his back on Murray, he goes back to him like as if nothing happened. So I can definitely see Murray playing well, which he did uh in Buffalo and um, you know, never like never giving Jari a, a chance. I mean, the, this month of March, I mean, we've talked about it before, but the, the Penguins have, like, four back-to-backs. So there's obviously starts that Jari's going to get. Um, it will it would definitely frustrate me if he doesn't play as often as I think that he should, but, you know, that's good old Mike Sullivan for you. We will never really know. Um, so, yeah. So with that, are there any other comments, questions, concerns about the Penguins or anything else we missed on this episode? All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. Can you believe we were a little bit consistent? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back. Um, But you can always reach us on Twitter at where's underscore my underscore stick. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.